For your situational awareness. My mantra is one team, one fight. I think we've got a great team. We're part of a bigger team. And we've got a really daunting fight ahead of us. An Air Force podcast bringing you stories of airmen. It's really cool seeing leaders connect with millennials and, and Generation Z. Their resilience. How has the mission changed since COVID-19? Making sure that our airmen are taken care of, they're being heard. Innovation. Not only has it not slowed us down, it's actually forced us to accelerate further to keep up. And so much more from around the force. Diversity of age and gender and upbringing is just goodness. It's, you know, yeah. From Air Force Production, this is FYSA. In a combat zone, you can't always land a C-130. There aren't many runways in the Antarctic. Even helicopters can sometimes be too big in search and rescue efforts. Could flying cars help in scenarios like these? Purists out there will say these aren't really flying cars unless, unless it's a rotable vehicle, right, which requires a whole different level of certification to drive on the road and it flies, it's not real flying cars. This is the director of AFWorks, which is an Air Force program meant to foster a culture of innovation within the service. Hello, I am Colonel Nathan Diller. He's helping to bring flying cars, check that. He's helping to bring this new technology potentially to the Air Force and the commercial market. There's a lot of different names out there. Uh, how you pronounce EVTOL, EVTOL, no one really knows. Um, it's kind of a funny acronym. that The Air Force gets accused of using acronyms all the time, but this one just kind of emerged. But bottom line, um, it, it is that technology, right? It's that coalescence of electric, vertical takeoff and landing. From Defense Media Activity, I'm Angel Orozco. Thanks for joining this episode of FYSA as we take a look into the already fruit-bearing initiative called Agility Prime. Agility Prime is the first of many envisioned programs that are designed to help propel commercial innovation and air power concepts while establishing a new era of DOD and commercial collaboration. We'll continue our conversation with AFWorks Director Colonel Diller, who's also a senior pilot in the Air Force with over 2,700 flying hours in more than 60 aircraft, but none yet with this newest electric vertical takeoff and landing technology. Have you flown one? No, I have not, but I'm waiting for that chance. Simulator? Lots of simulators. There's some amazing simulators. Uh, we'll be releasing uh, opportunities for some of the airmen to, to start getting into those simulators. Our, our Air Education Training Command is working on that diligently, our operational testers, developmental testers. So uh, there, there will be a lot of opportunities for airmen to get in and try these new simplified vehicle operations in the very near term. The very near term couldn't come quick enough for my team and I. A flying car, Evitols, Agility Prime, I think that's so awesome. That's my interview partner. Hi, my name is Tech Sergeant Dina Heitzman. And she got to fly the Alia 250 simulator in Burlington, Vermont, where one of the Air Force commercial partners, Beta Technologies, is based. Oh god, oh god. I'm all messed up here. No worries. What happened? No worries. We can land right here as well. Okay. Go ahead and lower that lift lever all the way down. Okay. We're just there you gonna go. land, land here. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> Don't worry. That, re that The charge pad is hard to get to sometimes. Oh yeah, a lot of fun was had that day. Uh, and work too. But we'll go back to the Green Mountain State in just a little bit because it's an amazing story of how their partnership with the Air Force 
led them from some carbon fiber parts in 2019 to a full-on legitimate current real-life flying eVTOL. And that kind of leads me to a story I told Colonel Diller about my first flying car experience, where as a teenager, I launched my 86 Pontiac Grand Am, along with a few friends, into the sky by hitting a dip and a bump at the bottom of Turnbull Canyon in my hometown of Whittier, California. And of course, when I landed, there was an officer sitting at the intersection who saw the whole thing, pulled us over, called me a bat out of hell. You're driving like a bat out of hell. Lectured us and then let us go. So that's stuck and, and people love to, to talk about that. But <laughs> so that's my first experience with flying cars. And it's amazing today that some 25 years later that we're literally talking about flying cars. Yeah, I think my first experience um, was test pilot, enjoying time at Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, came back from the French test pilot school, you know, thought I was going to be Chuck Yeager. And get there and after about 22 months, the Air Force had this great idea that I should go do some program management. So I went to the Space and Missile Center in LA Air Force Base. Uh, my wife, on that short notice move, already had schools picked out, knew where she was going to live, and because it was a short notice move, had a pretty high level of leverage on where that was going to be. Uh, it ended up being in the Pasadena area, and so I was driving down to Los Angeles Air Force Base in traffic and had a lot of time uh, to contemplate life and alternative modes of transportation and started kind of poking around and uh, actually had a chance to think about a DARPA project that was able to work with. Uh, it was called Transformer uh, and it was a DARPA project to have this modular approach to attaching Jeeps or medical evacuation uh, types of pods to a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. And I had a chance to work on that actually while I was at Edwards Air Force Base and thought, wow, that would be, that'd be amazing if I had something like that to uh, battle the Los Angeles traffic every day. And started putting a decent bit of thought into that. Uh, and so that was really kind of a, a bit of an evolution of a first experience. Um, I suppose that first experience was really uh, the opportunity to work uh, at DARPA and, and see that firsthand. And the amazing things that uh, those companies were, were just thinking about, right? Uh, at that time. As we move forward, let's recap how AFWorks, Agility Prime, and EVATOLs fit together within the Air Force. We'll start with AFWorks, the Air Force's organization to take its airmen and guardian talent and be able to move that talent into a space with partners, like some of the startup companies with great innovations. AFWorks wants to essentially team up to take those innovations to create affordable, accelerated, and agile capability like Agility Prime. If you break Agility Prime down, at its core, we're looking at an acquisition process. Sorry to disappoint you, but it's not really a letdown because this is the first of many revolutionary new processes to fall under the Prime umbrella, which could later expand into Space Prime and more. We've looked at a few other primes. Clearly autonomy, the, the opportunity to put the human in the right place uh, and to do let those mundane tasks uh, be done by a computer much better than certainly I can do them. We, we cannot afford to lose the competition in autonomy. When we look at digital and digital design, again, the speed that we can start to take human ideas and turn them into hardware and software, that's another area of interest for us. We look at what is happening in the commercial, uh, commercial supersonic space uh, under what we've termed as vector prime. Potential opportunity there to really do great things for our 
uh, industrial base in these new types of aircraft, the new types of engines. Really impressive work that's been happening there. Energy Prime is one when we look at advancing our forces, finding alternative ways of making sure that there's electric, uh, making sure that there's, there's power in theater, great things that are happening in the commercial sector. Uh, where might there be a role for AFWERKS to bring that in to our Department of the Air Force in order to provide that energy resiliency? Obviously, it's easier to tell what some of the other primes are about by just hearing their names like Energy Prime and Space Prime, but not so much with Agility Prime, and that's where the EVATOLs come in. The foundation of this technology is Agile Air Mobility, which allows the Air Force to quickly flex to whatever the environment is. Coincidentally, on the day of my conversation with the Colonel, he saw two V-22 Ospreys as he was walking into the Pentagon. The Osprey has vertical takeoff and landing capabilities, but it's not electric. When you look at the complexity of those machines to do the job they're doing, uh, it, it's a absolutely phenomenal, a million consecutive miracles that make those astonishing vehicles fly, and they, they are an amazing capability for us in the future. Part of the question is, are there ways of simplifying that? And so electric vertical takeoff and landing has potentially some advantages. With electric, I have fewer moving parts mechanically. Uh, I have less hydraulic parts. So that reduces, in general, the idea is there's going to be reduced operations and maintenance. With electric, I I'm able to control more effectively my acoustic signature. And so the sounds of, uh, you know, in, a, in an inner city, um, being able to change the degree of annoyance that that provides. Um, and then the other piece is the simplified vehicle operations. As I start to move to autonomy, if I'm baking that approach in, there is this concept that we could have a future world where Everywhere could be an airport. Anyone could be a pilot. When you look at the simplicity of right, my nine-year-old daughter who can go fly the drone around, we're still going to have, right, you still need airmen to fly these vehicles, but it might require a slightly different approach than the multi-million dollar effort to take a guy like me and, and turn me into a fighter pilot. And so we have now our Detachment 62 under Air Education Training Command investigating what does it look like to maintain these vehicles in the future? What does it look like to be an operator of an autonomous system? And in the early stages, what does it look like to operate these vehicles? Imagine a future, as he just said, where anywhere can be an airport and anyone can be a pilot. Not just any airman can be a pilot, but anyone, period. And to be honest, that's a little frightening, but it's also very exciting for the military and the commercial market. When you look at you know, all the hurdles, there's regulatory hurdles, and the, we have to go figure out how thousands of these things fly together, and we have to have charging stations. Uh, while it's been exciting to see the Air Force team come together and the industry team come together, I'm thrilled to see the interagency, uh, the collaborative work with NASA, with the FAA, Department of Energy, think about new approaches to electric. Uh, so I, I see an energy in the nation that's going to push this industry forward it's not, you're not going to use it for everything all the time, but again, there's very compelling cases where total energy use, flying is actually lower than a vehicle use. How do we think about a future that provides that agility to the nation, provides that reduced energy consumption to allow us to still right, move from one place to the next to, to actually be in person uh, with live human beings uh, across large expanses? Air travel has done phenomenal things when you look at what airlines have done. We are actually working with some of the airlines in large freight movement uh, to see 
how does this grow more broadly? Uh, and the question is, what do we do to make sure that, that these companies can be successful? The Air Force partnership we think is key. As we dive further into the partnership aspect of the Agility Prime initiative, it's important to not gloss over the ways and how the Air Force is helping the many startup partners commercialize electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. In short, the Air Force is leveraging unique DOD resources like test ranges, critical safety certifications, multi-tier funding, and also engineering expertise from departments like the Air Force Research Laboratory and others. One huge milestone happened for the program in May of this year, as reported by Air Force Radio News. Agility Prime takes off. With your Air Force News, I'm Staff Sergeant Angelo Rosario. The first airworthiness approval for a manned electric aircraft is awarded to Beta Technologies, a partner in the AFWORKS Agility Prime program. Agility Prime is focused on... Big milestones already. Um, the first one we we'll talk about is with Beta Technologies and being receiving the first airworthiness approval for a manned electric aircraft. How big was that for the program? really shows just the degree of innovation that's already happening to our Air Force Materiel Command. You know, a year ago, we looked at this program and said, you'll never, get, we've never flown an electric aircraft before. We've never flown, we, so this, this is entirely new for the Air Force, it's entirely new for the federal government, to give a level of credibility to engineering around an entirely new propulsion system. And, and many said, no, Air Force can't, never be able to move fast enough. And, the Air Force Material Command you know, just blew that completely out of the water. Last summer coming up with, here's the plan that we can do this airworthiness. In December, there's a Wall Street Journal article that came out. Joby had the first overall airworthiness. Shortly after Lyft, uh, shortly after that, then Beta is, is we're now saying this, this is good enough for a human to fly and that we're about to announce another one very soon. So it's been phenomenal, the speed that our airmen and the Air Force Material Command have been able to, to look at this technology, do it, look at the technology in a different way. And I think it's, it's an important level as you think about the trust that the general public will eventually have to have in this. Uh, having our expertise as the Air Force, who flies the coolest things in the entire world looking at this, I think starts to give a level of trust uh, that is going to accelerate this market and ensure that we have safe and secure paths for this democratization of air travel in the future. Since the interview, the second airworthiness approval for a manned electric aircraft has been awarded by the Air Force to AFWORKS Agility Prime partner Kitty Hawk, making them the fourth overall partner in less than a year to be awarded airworthiness approval. The other two besides Kitty Hawk and Beta received the approval for autonomous EVATOLs. Kitty Hawk, the California-based company whose name is inspired by the birthplace of flight, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, is now able to move their EVATOL aircraft named Heaviside into the next phase of flight testing. Not long ago, Kitty Hawk's Heaviside took part in the first AFWORKS medevac operational exercise using an EVATOL. During the exercise, professionals from industry and the government assessed the Heaviside's ability to do medical evacuation, logistics, and personnel recovery the latter in which Air Combat Command has a specific interest. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go out there uh, during that actual week of the exercise, uh, but it's exciting to see you know, Air Combat Command is interested in the personnel recovery, phenomenal mission, and really phenomenal innovation among the airmen, airmen uh, thinking about that mission of how they might use this. Uh, interesting things that, that kind of came out of that, and this goes back a little bit to the broader strategy, of these dual-use technologies. When I'm looking at a future where we fly orbs into a new era of aerospace, 
I need those from a commercial spec perspective if I want broad access. Right? It needs to be compliant with American with Disabilities Act. Turns out, having something that's easy for you know, a disabled passenger to get in and get out also is very important for potentially a downed pilot, downed air crew. So we're starting to see this collaboration again and that, that team development in this, this new era of aerospace uh, that we see allows an acceleration. And, and this was one example of that. We'll continue to do those. You know, we're able to see fully autonomous flights of, you know, push a button and, and the vehicle goes and flies in, in a particular pattern. Uh, so some, some pretty notable milestones there. And then bringing in community with Air Education Training Command, uh, our developmental testers, our operational testers, our joint partners. And so it was uh, notable, I think, and allows some opportunity moving forward. You've been listening to Colonel Nathan Diller, Air Force Senior Pilot and Director of AFWorks. I'm your host, Angel Orozco. For your situational awareness, we're talking about electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, or EVATOLs. AFWorks notes that the demand for this technology and collaborative effort to hurry it along is greater than ever. They say there cannot be another case like the small drone industry where U.S. adversaries dominated and in turn have gravely undermined U.S. security. Agility Prime is the process in which the Air Force is helping to speed along the EVATOL technology. But as you know, there has to be partners that are willing and capable to take on the challenge with the same fervor as the U.S. Air Force. And fortunately, there are. Beta Technologies is a uh, group of incredibly passionate engineers, uh, really focused on uh, a mission of, of creating a future of sustainable aviation. Uh, we think the only way to really make significant change in the world is to go out and do it. This is Mr. Blaine Newton, Chief Operating Officer of Beta Technologies. Really only have a couple of requirements to work here. You have to have two out of three passions. You either got to be passionate about sustainability, uh, technologically curious, or you got to be passionate about aviation. If you have Two out of three of those, that means everyone in the company has at least one shared passion. When you bring that together, you can do pretty awesome things. So uh, our, our focus is, is building the best product we can to change the future of aviation. That's very forward thinking too. And walking through your facilities, everyone looked happy. I mean, how cool is it that you can go out and fly during the middle of the day? What other place can you do that at? You know, it's huge. It's um, part of our culture is to making sure that everyone has the chance to get up and experience flight. We're doing a, a disco picnic on Friday to get everyone that hasn't flown up in the air. You know, engineers and accountants and whoever, supply chain folks that understand what it's like to operate an aircraft and, and all the great things that come with it and the challenging things that come with it uh, end up making a better product and, and are able to kind of understand and empathize with our customers and the users and the pilots. And not only that, it, it ignites some passion in folks for aviation, which we think is hugely important. My interview partner, Tech Sergeant Dina Heitzman and myself took an old fashioned airplane to meet with COO Blaine Newton, the New York State native. I was born in Pulaski, New York, uh, really just right outside of Oswego near uh, uh, Boise of Syracuse, out in Syracuse, the 174th. I spent a lot of time in the base of the 174th. So. Do you know the 174th? I went to school for a year in Syracuse, awesome. so I always spent there. Very cool. Long winters. No. Yeah, oh God, brutal, <laughs> brutal. After a lengthy detour in the healthcare profession, Mr. Newton is thrilled to be back working in aviation, a field that he loves and the one his father, a former Master Sergeant and F-86 crew chief in the Air National Guard, introduced him to as a youngster. I remember subscribing to Flying Magazine from, the, you know, probably 12 years old and 
fell in love with the Lake Renegade Turbo, which one of our partners has. But anyway, I um, started to learn how to fly in, in high school, and then uh, life, life got in the way. And so to be able to pick it up again here has just been super meaningful for me. And, you know, to, to be able to, I spent so many weekends with my father at the airbase, even after he retired, staring at the A-10s and talking to those guys. And to be able to take the passion that he had and that he ignited in me and carry it forward to, to the next evolution in aviation is just awesome. Uh, this is definitely a passion play for me. We talked with Mr. Newton inside a charging pad for the Alia. You heard me right a charging pad. But in this case, the word pad has a double meaning. It's like a small apartment complete with kitchen, bedroom, and bath for pilots and crew members to kind of recharge their batteries between flights or missions. On top of that, there's a landing pad where the Evital lands in parks while it's charging its actual batteries. All of this can be found nestled at the airport in the literal and ideological green state of Vermont. Obviously, sustainability is a pretty important um, uh, component of our lifestyles here, getting out and enjoying the mountain or the lake or whatever it may be. We're 99 plus percent re renewable energy in the state of Vermont, which means when we fly Ali on a flight test campaign, it's zero emissions through the tailpipe, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, and so to be able to extend that and, and, and kind of, uh, if we get out there first and prove this is capable, and we force some of the other aerospace companies to, to start to move in that direction, the impact we can have from reducing air emissions is huge, right? It's, it, 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 by 2035, it's gonna make up more than 50% of transportation emissions, the aerospace will. We need to be better. Uh, we just need to be better. And, and we're showing that you can do it. You can fly zero emissions from the tailpipe. We're building a, a, a net zero production capability or a facility down the hill over here. You can do things in, in a way that's uh, both commercially viable and sustainable. They're not mutually exclusive. This is a good transition to the modernization of flight. Um, you know, this is kind of like that next step, that next evolution. Yeah, you know, we're a propulsion company first, and the enabling technologies here is not the aero, it's not the carbon fiber, it's, um, it's propulsion, right? So being able to create distributed propulsion systems through the electric power plants and, you know, storing a lot of energy and transferring that energy to, to, to power very efficiently is the secret sauce here. Uh, and we're really good at that. And look, anyone who's in this space, all of our, I don't even call them competitors, everyone else that's trying to do this should be applauded. Uh, it, it, it's a hard challenge, it's an important challenge. Um, we, we think we took a different route in that focusing on um, cargo, logistics, medical first, working, partnering with the Air Force, um, gives us an entree into the commercial markets later downstream uh, with a hardened uh, product, and, and it just gives us massive advantage. Um, so, so you know, everyone's got different flavors. Every aircraft is a point designed for a different need. We we think ours is a really flexible platform that accomplishes a lot of missions pretty well. Uh, and with the Air Force, we'll find out what those are. It's a great tie into you working with the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, we've been so fortunate uh, to be able to partner with the Air Force through the Agility Prime program. I mean, it's. Uh, it's an extension of the team and to be able to have access to the aviators that uh, and engineers that the Air Force has it's I mean world-class right it's accelerated us not only commercially because of the validation that comes from the you know the world's greatest Air Force says look we, we want to operate your your plane uh, but also just the the real hard work that goes into building a plane uh, to be augmented with with folks uh, from the Air Force has been huge uh, whether it's test pilots or engineers or the like 
Now, how did you get involved with Agility Prime? Uh, so this was probably late 2019. We were encouraged by Colonel Diller uh, to submit a, a phase one SIBR uh, proposal on whether or not this type of capability is even feasible. And we didn't have an aircraft at that time. We had some carbon fiber wings uh, and a carbon fiber fuselage. And we put it together and, and, uh, and then we're very rapidly encouraged to apply for a phase two. And the thing that struck me about this, right, I, I, um, I spent a fair amount of time in healthcare working with governmental agencies. So I had my expectations set for this is going to be a three-year contracting cycle. It was weeks, right? It was like, let's submit this. Let's get it done. Let's move. To have uh, a partner in the Air Force that's willing to move as fast as we are as a startup here was just mind-blowing to me. And, and it's not only has it not slowed us down, it's actually forced us to accelerate further to keep up with what the Air Force wants, which I didn't expect, uh, but it's just a testament to the work that folks at Agility Prime are doing. And it's just... Uh, so fortunate to be part of it. Yeah, I definitely think that's one thing the Air Force is noticing that, you know, the in-state of all of these three-year contracts, that's unfeasible in this time. Yeah. So I'm glad that you were on the receiving end of seeing these contracts given to you in like weeks. Oh, it was crazy. Just crazy. Just awesome. And for us, right, so being able to close out a, a contract with the Air Force and then immediately turn to our commercial partners and say, hey, here's how this is going to accelerate us and de-risk the program commercially, and to our investors and say, look, these folks believe in us and they're going to help carry us over. It, it allowed us to double and triple that and leverage that into significant investment that uh, reduces the risk, extends the runway, so to speak, not to you know, <laughs> use the runway because we don't need them. Uh, but yeah, it, it really it allowed us to leverage that into, into a really successful outcome, which is uh, I think exactly what Agility Prime was intended to do, which was catalyze commercial growth. What about the engineering expertise? What have you noticed with that? Have you worked with the Air Force Research Laboratory? We have, and some of the modeling that they've done for us uh, on, on some of the aero work has been outstanding. But the thing that struck me the most was um, the, the Air Force brought in a bunch of global experts to do ground vibration testing on this area, on serial number two. Uh, and they set up all the equipment, they brought in all the experts, and for a month they, they did a, a full complement ground vibration test, which for a small aerospace startup is kind of unheard of, right? It would have cost us tens of millions of bucks, we would have had to take the aircraft somewhere else. So to be able to lean into Air Force Research Labs, have them give us all this incredibly rich data that we wouldn't have had access to that will support not only uh, our military flight airworthiness, but also on the commercial side with the FAA, it's uh, that kind of partnership just doesn't happen, right? And so um, normally it's the other way around. And, uh, and and so just the accelerant there is just huge. Newton predicts that eVTOLs will allow for inexpensive travel for a wide range of people. Uh, the passenger vision for this, the urban air mobility vision for, for this capability is certainly there. Um, we think there's a massive opportunity before that in, in, in reducing the cost and, and creating new network topologies for, for logistics, right? If you talked about the recharge pad we're sitting in, we're going to put several hundred of them across the U.S. at mostly underutilized airports. Uh, then we'll get into the urban side later downstream as we, as we harden the aircraft through partnerships with the Air Force and UPS and others. We'll, we'll get to that passenger mission. And the passenger mission may be a little bit different for us. It doesn't need to be getting off your 30-foot penthouse and flying uh, down to your office building. It can also be about uh, flying from uh, Springfield outside of Air Force Research Labs uh, into DC, right? So you can start to create a regional air mobility map for cargo and passengers 
that changes the way people live and work around the U.S. It's not just about that urban air mobility access. That's awesome. I'm really partial because I'm actually from like Springfield, Dayton area. No kidding. And you were like, oh, Springfield yeah, in yeah. D.C., that's like me to go home for a weekend yeah, and go yeah. see my parents that's and right. then come back to work. <laughs> for like 50 bucks, right? And, ah. then, and it's quick and it's easy. You're not going through the mountains. It's just, you know, it really does open up uh, capabilities at an economic point that doesn't exist today in air travel. If you're wondering what it's like to fly this Arctic turn, bird-inspired Evitol, well, at the moment, there's only so many people you can ask, and Blaine Newton, unfortunately, is not one of them, just yet. But the best description I've heard so far is from one of Beta's other partners, Martine Rothblatt, who is the CEO of United Therapeutics Corporation. And along with the CEO of Beta, Mr. Kyle Clark, they together had the concept for their electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. In Martine's beautiful description, she says, You're, you're not, not fighting, fighting a machine, a machine through, through the air. air. Instead, you're almost like surfing the air. It's also aesthetically very beautiful. Anywhere like your angle of vision goes, whether it's to the beautiful booms, you know, or the, the fuselage, the, the way that you have like, you know, an almost 360 degree, you know, field of vision, certainly more than 180 degree field of vision, you're like, you're, you're sailing through the air in glass. That's, that's what it's like. It's absolutely incredible. I, I will say that I have an immense sense of joy and satisfaction because this is something that Kyle and I conceptualized um, roughly four years ago. And, you know, you could find a million people that can come up with ideas like this, but you know, 99.9999999% of them is never going to happen. But here we came up with this idea. Kyle sketched it out on an iPad and the same shape, the same dynamics, the same, you know, aircraft that he had sketched out on, a, on an iPad here exists in person and I'm flying it through the air. I'm banking it. I'm, I'm, I'm pitching it. I'm climbing. I'm taking off. I'm landing. It's like, can life get any better than this? That you could like have a, you know, it's like this saying that uh, anything that can be conceived and believed can be achieved. The U.S. is poised to surf the sky and Agility Prime is the process that is intended to get us there. Through unique DOD resources, Air Force expertise and innovation, along with commercial collaboration from the Force's hundreds of startups and small business partners, the Evitol revolution is a reality in reach. As for me, the bat out of hell, I can honestly say I'm looking forward to the day I get to fly another car, but you know, legally this time. The Colonel may not hold the same anticipation for me to fly, but he's definitely excited for airmen to get the chance. The ability to go see the world above, I, I think it's something that excites most airmen. Right now, it's a you know, very small number of folks that actually uh, wear those wings. Uh, so this idea of making every airman a pilot or giving every airman the opportunity to do what we as an Air Force have been doing and, and, and extend that beyond our current fleet, um, the ability to move through the air has done phenomenal things for the security of our nation. If we can find new ways of doing that, one, it, it's not just national security capability, but right, it literally lifts us up and lifts us up as a force. And I think it's that opportunity to democratize air travel for our airmen and for our nation. That's exciting. Thanks to everyone who helped make this episode possible, including Tech Sergeant Dina Heitzman, Beta Technologies, 
and of course, Colonel Diller. I'm Angel Orozco, and this has been for your situational awareness.